God be praised. God be praised. We thank God for this awesome opportunity. I was sitting there while the choir was singing and I screamed at Terry. I said, Terry, you got to stop this. I can't handle too much more of this. I was about ready to go out to the office and have them call me when it was time to preach. I told Venice, I don't deserve this. I meant that in a, the, 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 the praise and the worship with the spirit so high, getting up to preach. But I guess none of us deserve this. By his grace and his mercy. I'd like to thank you and ask the church to continue to pray for Tracy Ingram. And she is having surgery tomorrow. I talked to her this morning and she let me know she was praying for me. And I told her that the church would be praying for her. Thank God for my brother, Pastor Venice. People think pastoring is easy. Y'all don't know the week that he had. He preached, let me count, one, two, three, four, six times since last Sunday. And on top of that, he had to go to school, papers to prepare, Thursday night, Saturday at a funeral. He is an awesome pastor. Amen. I have to acknowledge my little sister, Portia. <laughs> Sometimes when I get a little emotional, she say, man up. <laughs> She's tough, boy. I'm glad she's my little sister. Dr. Smith, I affectionately call you Pops, my friend. And I have family here that I'm going to get somebody. Um, I, um, Some 25 years plus ago, there was a person that brought me to this church, and she's here today. My sister Donna Marshall Ingram, Mar Ingram Marshall, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She, stand up, Donna. Let everybody see you. I love you. Donna is an awesome woman of God. Yeah, yeah. If she wasn't my sister, I still would tell her that. Amen. My new sister-in-law is here, my nephews, Troy and Marquis. I am so blessed. Thank you for coming. Yes, I have one more friend here, Daryl Hawkins. I saw him somewhere. Where you at, Daryl? 
Daryl is, me and Daryl have been friends for years. That's my workout buddy. Amen. 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 This is a emotional weekend. Family in town. But God also arranged that I would be preaching, which would have been my daddy's 90th birthday today. I didn't, I didn't, God put this together. Venice didn't know, but it was God's will. And also knowing that the church we were raised in, the Greater New Light Baptist Church, where my daddy, the deacon O.B. Ingram, was the chairman of the deacon board, along with my mother, Evelyn Ingram, who've gone, both gone on to be with the Lord. They are the celebration for Dr. Fred Shuttlesworth is this weekend down in Alabama. So God just works everything together. Okay, it's time to preach. If I missed anything, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Verses 21 through 32. We're going to wait for everybody to get there. As you stand in the presence of God's word while we read it. Genesis chapter 32, verses, 30, verses 21 through 32. Genesis chapter 32, verses 21 through 32. I will be reading from the Message Bible. It might read a little differently from your version, but hopefully it will give you understanding. Verse 21 says, so his gifts went before him while he settled down for the night in camp. But during the night, he got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 children and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. Of the Jabbok. He got them safely across the brook along with all of his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind by himself. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. Yes, the man said, let me go. It's daybreak. Yeah. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. The man said, what's your name? He answered, Jacob. The man says, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel, God wrestler. And you've wrestled with God, and you've come through. Jacob asked, what's your name? And the man said, why do you need to know my name? And then, right then and there, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, meaning God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story. The sun came up as he left Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is why the Israelites to this day don't eat hip muscle because Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint. Amen. I like to use for a subject, don't let the limp fool you. Don't let the limp fool you. 
Shall we pray? Eternal God, our Father, we know you are in this place. So, Father, we need you to have your way today. Speak to your people. Father, your people need a word from you. Father, help them to realize that the preacher is not above the word, but many times have to live through the word. So, Father, have your way today. Father, we lay our all on the altar. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The 1968 Olympics were held in Mexico City, Mexico. It stands out in history because, uh, for many reasons, because no other developing country had ever hosted the Olympics. No other Olympic competition was also held at such a high altitude. For those competing in those competitions, it tested their lung capacity. I don't know if you ever ran when it's cold outside or at a high altitude, but you have to, it takes more of your lungs working in these competitions. And there was a man named John Stephen Aquari, who was a marathon runner from Tanzania. Tanzania is a country in East Africa. And he completed in the 26.2 mile marathon. While running in the, he was in the middle of the race, in the middle of the pack, he fell and badly cut his knee. Yes, sir. He quickly fell from the middle of the pack to the back of the pack. And after his fall, he was only able to keep up with the back of the pack for a short time. And he continued to try to run, but he was lipping. Yeah. He was bleeding profusely. Yeah. The bandage that they had put around his leg was coming off as he continued to hobble. With no runner scenes, a quarry limped through the majority of the 26.2 mile marathon. And finally, he came to the stadium, the Olympic Stadium, and he was in a stumbled state. He badly limped into the Olympic Stadium more than an entire hour after the winner had won the race. By the time he got there, the stadium was dark. The stadium was empty. He was grimacing with every step. His blood so bandaged was coming off of his leg, and, and, and Aquari showed his true guts of finishing the race by seeing it to the finish. And by the time he got there, there was a handful of people in the stadium, and they noticed him. But really, there was no fanfare there. Everybody had left the stadium. But Aquari was limping dragging his leg so he could finish the race. And somebody asked him, why didn't you just quit? Why didn't you just give up? And this is what his response was. He said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. He said, my country sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. 
I'm looking at about 500 people who are limping this morning. We all are limping at some point in our lives. Some of us, all of us, to some degree, is struggling. Oh, I know we come in, come in church and we look all well. We look like we got it all together. And when we ask somebody, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. But, 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 but inside, we're grimacing. We, we, we don't know how to do this thing called life. You know, we're limping in our relationships. You know, God has the right to put us on display. I'm telling you, I'm limping this morning. I know y'all saying, well, who are you to tell me that you limping when I see you limping? Well, we all in this thing together. I'm limping, you limping. I, I, I know I got some limping folks in here. We, 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 we're limping in our finances. We are, we, we are limping in our relationships. Amen. I went there. We are limping. You know, you know, you know, the thing I like about this text is, is that God has Jacob deal with his issues. And many times as Christians, you know, we like to be the proverbial ostrich and we stick our head, our head in the sand. We don't want to deal with real issues. We don't want to deal with issues in our marriages, that things are rough and, and, and sometimes you can't stand looking at the other person. We don't want to deal with well, what's really real. I know I'm preaching to somebody in here this morning. We are limping in our walk with the Lord. You know, yeah, we'll come in here praising on Sunday, but Monday, where are you at? I, I, I'm telling you to look at yourself right now. Where are you at with your walk with the Lord right now? We're limping. And the only reason we're here today is because of God's grace and his mercy. You know, you and I, I know I would have lost my mind. Like David said, I would have went crazy if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord keeping me. Don't you know God is keeping you right now? Don't you know every breath you take is because of his grace and his mercy? You ain't that good. No. Pastor Venice said this week, you are, you, some of y'all think we are a bag of, uh, what'd you say? Chips and pop. He said either you're the chip, but you're not the pop, or you're the pop and not the chip. <laughs> it's just like the runner said. The runner said, I'm going to finish this race. And we have to have, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of how hard life can be, in spite of relationships that have gone bad, in spite of us trying to financially get ourselves together, in spite of some of us have been sick, in spite of all that, we still have to finish the race. You know, I, I hear James Cleveland say, the songwriter said, I don't feel no way tired. See, I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but this is what I put my, my stock in. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I don't believe that. I don't believe God brought me this far to leave me. I don't care what the future looks like right now. I don't care what I'm going through right now. I don't believe. You got to know that and 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 know that. 
In our text, we see, we pick up on Jacob crossing the ford of the Jabbok. Jacob had just got his family across with all of his possessions. And after getting settled down for the night, Jacob finds himself alone. You know, that's a, that's a bad thing sometimes to be alone. It's one thing to be alone when in good times. And that's not real great, but when you're alone in bad times. See, Jacob had been through some stuff. He had family issues. His daddy was disappointed the way he left. He had two wives that didn't like each other. His brother was trying to kill him. Jacob had some issues. Jacob had some stuff going on, but now he finds himself alone. But, but in order to understand that, we got to go back in, the, in Genesis to understand how Jacob got here. In Genesis 25, we find that Rebecca, who was Isaac's wife, became pregnant with twins. The Bible says that the children struggled and kicked inside of her. So much so, she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why should I keep on living? Rebecca wanted to die. Her pregnancy was so bad. She had a bad pregnancy with, with, with two nations, two kids kicking and fighting and warring inside of her. Now, 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 I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. I, I thank God for that, too. But what I did learn, I learned on December 23rd, 1989, not to mess with a pregnant woman. Tracy was pregnant with Myron. It was a cold night. Donna was pregnant at the same time. Took her to the hospital where she, her water broke and she didn't feel any pain at the time. Took her to the hospital and she's he, 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 ha, ha, ha. Called her mother who was living in Cleveland at the time on the phone. And this is about one o'clock in the morning. The nurse came in and said, you know, you're so many centimeters dilated. Do you want some medicine? She said, I feel fine. Didn't take any medicine. About three hours later, I was sitting in the chair half asleep. It's about four in the morning. I looked up, and Tracy was crawling around on the hospital floor. Me being the man who I am, I said, Tracy, get up off that floor. Now, I'm 6'5", 250. Tracy's head spin around like she was the exorcist. And her voice changed. And she said, leave me alone. That's what she did. And when she said that, I jumped back. I was ready to go into a fetal position. So I learned, you don't mess with a pregnant woman. And when Adrian was born, I just stood behind the doctor and didn't say a word. 
But God explains to her. God explains to her what was going on inside of her, that there were two nations inside of her. There were two people butting heads while still inside of her body. One person, she was, God was explaining to her, will overrule the other. He told her that the older will serve the younger. So they were born. Esau was the first to come out. They said he was a hairy baby, a red, hairy baby, a red-haired baby. And then Jacob came out. But Jacob came out holding Esau's heel. Now, so this was not Jacob, as we in the text, this is not Jacob's first time at wrestling. Jacob had been wrestling in the womb. And some of us have been wrestling all our lives. There's some things you've been wrestling with. There's some things that you know that, that you've been trying to deal with and you've been wrestling and limping, wrestling and limping your whole life. My brothers and sisters, when we are born, we are born with a limp. The Bible says that we are born and shaping into iniquity. We are born with an innate nature to sin. What do you mean by that, preacher? That we, that you don't have to teach a baby to lie. You got to teach a baby not to lie. So you don't have to teach a baby to cheat. You got to teach a baby not to cheat. Because our innate sin nature, we're born with a limp. But thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. Jacob was known as the trickster. The con man. The one who come from behind. You know what I'm talking about, Reverend Willis? Even when they were older, Jacob was cooking some stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was very hungry, and Esau asked Jacob to give him some of the stew. Esau was famished. But, 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 but Jacob, being the businessman, the con man, the shrewd businessman, he kind of reminded me of Mike Brown of the Bengals. He was a shrewd businessman. Jacob said, okay, you want something to eat? Give me your birthrights. He, he was negotiating with his brother. You know, but it was God's plan all the time for Jacob to get the blessing. But, but, but Jacob, Jake, Jake, Jacob said, if, you, if, if I'll give you this stool, if you give me your birthrights. You see, that's, that's significant in Jewish history because the oldest son got two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger one got one-third. So you got twice as much, but because Esau was so hungry, he fell for the deal. And he made him promise him that you're going to give me the birthright. And so Esau said, you can have the birthright. Now, 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 later, that was just one deal that, 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 that Jacob used his con man spirits, his slickness, to, to, to negotiate something for himself because he was, he was selfish at this time. Even though he was part of God, he still, you know, sometimes God got to work things out of us. All of us have some selfishness in us. All of us have something that we only worry about our own agenda. All of us have stuff in her that God has to work out. Later in Genesis 27, Isaac is now old, and he's blind, and he's close to dying. 
So he wanted Esau, he wanted to get Esau's personal blessing. Isaac wanted, excuse me, Isaac wanted to give Esau his personal blessing as being the older son. And what his mother heard, their mother heard them over talking. Because Isaac told Esau to go out and hunt me something. And go ahead, get me some fresh whatever you're going to kill. Bring it back, cook it, and give it to me, and then I will give you my blessing. And what Isaac did, Isaac, what his mother did, he called, she called Isaac because she was his favorite. You know, sometimes it's a dangerous thing to have favorites as children. So she calls him Isaac in, and she says to Isaac, your brothers want to get the blessing. I heard your dad and Esau talking. But this is what I want you to do. I'm going to cook something up for you. And I want you to take it in to your dad and give it to you because he can't see who you are because he's old and he's blind. And, 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 and Jacob said, well, he's still going to know who I am because Esau is hairy. And so what he did from that point, his mother said, I got that covered. She put fur from an animal that they had caught earlier around his neck, and he went in before his father. To make a long story short, and, and the time constraints I'm under, he went in in front of his father, and his father kind of knew it wasn't Esau. But, but, but he started questioning, and so he felt him, and he felt the fur, and to make a long story short, he ended up getting the blessing that his brother was supposed to get. Now, 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 Esau is really mad now. Once he finds out later, Esau says, and this is the second time you done, you done took. First you got the inheritance. Now you got my blessing. Guess what, Jacob? I'm going to kill you. And his mother heard them over talking, so he's, his mother sends Jacob out into the field to another country to her brother, which is Jacob's uncle, Laban. Now, now, Jacob is running for his life because his mother told him to go to the country of Haran to see her brother. Yeah. Now, Jacob gets there, and Jacob, see, sometimes when you, when you do slick stuff, slick stuff comes back on you. I'm so glad that, we, that God gives us to live right, to live by his principles. So Jacob goes to meet his uncle Laban. And his uncle had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. Yeah. And Jacob, like Rachel, said she was a beautiful woman. And he said, went to his uncle and said, what do I have to do to be with her? And his uncle said, work for me for seven years, and I'll give you to her. Jacob thought that was a good deal. So Jacob worked for his uncle for seven years, and when the time came, he didn't get Rachel. Leah walks out, and Jacob looks at and says, well, I was working for Rachel. He said, but I can't get my youngest until I get my oldest. Jacob comes back and says, okay, what I got to do to get Rachel? He wanted this woman. She must have been a bad mama. So he says to his uncle, what do I have to do to get this, this woman? This is the woman I want. I'll take Leah. He said, work another seven years. So Jacob works another seven years. Then he finally, a total of 14 years, then he finally gets Rachel and Leah. And they at each other's throat. 
because they trying to figure out who's going to have the baby, and Leah was having babies, and Rachel wasn't. It was just a mess. And, and so then he negotiated another deal that cost him six more years. He said, well, what do I have to do? So, so his uncle put him in a position and said, if you work for me six more years, then we'll work on producing these, 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 these herds. And so that's what Jacob did. So Jacob ended up spending 20 years, 20 years on a deal that he thought was a good deal, but it cost him 20 years of his life. You better watch what deals you're working on. You better make sure that you prayed up when you're doing a deal. When you're going in and get a house, you better make sure you prayed up. When you're going to get a car, whatever you do in your business dealing, you need to be prayed up. But the deal went bad because after the 20 years, Jacob was being blessed by the Lord in spite of. Ain't that good when God blesses you in spite of yourself? That's what I call his grace and his mercy. When you know you messed up and God still blesses you. But Jacob came to the point where his, his fold had multiplied a hundredfold. So he ended up with all being successful, and now the in-laws are getting a little jealous. Levin's son is saying to Jacob, they're saying, Jacob hears them, and he hears, he hears them talking in the background. Well, Jacob knows that it's time for him to go. So what he does, he takes his wife, and he takes his herd, and he skips out in the middle of the night. His uncle Levin doesn't find out till three days later. And now his uncle gets furious, and now his uncle is after him. His uncle and his brothers and all kind of kinsmen. So now Jacob got his uncle Levin and his in-laws chasing him, and he got his brother Esau wanting to kill him. You see, Jacob is in a troubled situation. You know, and now at this point he's going back home. And he knows that he's going to meet his brother Esau. Jacob knows in his mind that he's no match for Esau. See, Esau was a hunter. Esau was a rugged man. You know, uh, uh, Jacob stayed inside. You know, Jacob did some cooking and things like that. Jacob was, you know, I guess we might want to say a little soft, if you want to say in a, in a manly term kind of way. So he knew that he wasn't no match for his brother. And there's fear in Jacob's heart. Jacob needed some answers. Jacob needed some assurance. And now Jacob finds himself sitting alone. You know, alone is a tough place to be when you need help. Have you ever been alone? Have you ever heard you've been alone and you can hear cracks in the floor because it's so quiet because you're alone. Here he is in our text. Jacob is at the river ford. Sleep is impossible because there's stuff on his mind right now. His spirit is troubled and it won't let him rest. Jacob is in the crisis of his life. Jacob is at a crossroad in his life. I believe that Jacob, in our text, begins to pray. I believe that Jacob cried out 
to the Lord. Perhaps maybe for the first time in his life, he earnestly begins to wrestle in prayer. And maybe he sensed God's presence was really there as he began to wrestle in prayer. And then as he continued to wrestle in prayer, Jacob realized that God was there with him in the flesh. Flesh to flesh, bone to bone. Jacob is in desperation. He realized that this is a precious opportunity that he couldn't pass up and he wasn't going to let God go. If he let him go, he knew all hell was going to break loose. Jacob needed some prayers answered. Have you ever needed some prayers answered? Have you ever got to the point where, 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 where life has dropped so low that you, that you know if the Lord didn't help you? You know if the Lord didn't come through. You know if the Lord didn't send somebody to knock on the door. Have you ever been in a position where you needed to hear from the Lord? Well, Jacob was in this position. Jacob desperately realized that this was a great opportunity for him, and he couldn't let it go until his needs were met. So Jacob begins to wrestle with God. Back and forth. Forth and back. I believe that possibly that there was a headlock here and there and, and an armhole as they began to wrestle. I believe perhaps the struggle went on for hours. But God, in his grace and his mercy, he allowed Jacob to wrestle. Now, you know God could have came in. It would have been no contest. I believe that God allowed us to wrestle with him sometimes. He allowed Jacob to wrestle. He allowed Jacob to start working out his fleshly nature. He allowed Jacob to start working out his anxiety. See, you can tell the Lord what's on your mind. Some folks say you can't. Oh, yes, you can. God already knows what's there. You can tell the Lord when I'm hurt. You can tell the Lord when you need help. You can tell the Lord he knows exactly where you at. So in his struggle and in his wrestling, I believe Jacob's faith and understanding began to grow. I believe that something happened while they were wrestling. Well, the turning point came when God took and touched Jacob in the hollow of his, of his thigh, dislocating his hip. Yes, See, they were wrestling for a while. But Jacob, God touched Jacob in the hip dislocated his hip. I believe Jacob went, oh, when God touched him. You see, suddenly Jacob was immobilized. Jacob couldn't move. See, I believe Jacob yelled out when he was wrestling. And not only did he, when he was wrestling, I believe when he stopped wrestling, he started clinging. Somebody didn't catch that. Somebody, see, he was wrestling. And then God touched him in the hip. Then he began to cling. You know, sometimes you got to hold on. Sometimes, you know, when you're in a match, you can't wrestle no more. You got to hold on. Have you ever held on in the middle of the night? See, sometimes we have to wrestle when God throws our, our hips out of joint. So we have to cling to him. And we reminds me of the song, What a Fellowship. What a Joy Divine. 
I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, I'm safe and secure from all alarms. I'm leaning on Jesus Christ, my Savior. Safe and secure for all alarm. Well, see, the pre-incarnated Christ knew that morning that the light was breaking. And he instructed Jacob, let me go. But Jacob said in verse 26, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You see, Jacob was persistent in his plea. Even though his body was racked with pain, Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. See, 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 he was serious in his request to God. You got to be serious sometime with God. Nothing else matters. Don't matter who's watching you. Don't matter who's seeing you. Sometimes you just got to worship God for who he is and don't care what somebody else says. Sometimes you got to give him praise when in the middle of the night. You see, Jacob put in a serious request to God. See, Jacob was holding on to his faith rather than wrestling in fear. You see, faith and fear don't go together. You see, sometimes you walk in scared, but that's not going to get it done. you got to have faith. Faith and fear is like oil and water. They don't mix. God only reacts to our faith. When God was asking him, so in third, verse 27, God asked Jacob, what's your name? What's your name? Is that what he's really asking him? He already knew who he was. I believe what God was asking him is, who are you? I believe God is asking Jacob, not what's your name, but who are you? And I believe Jacob went on to say, I'm Jacob the schemer. God said, who are you? I believe he says, I'm Jacob the, the slickster. God began to ask him, Jacob, who are you? He's saying, I'm the one who reaches from behind. See, I'm the trickster. I believe that's what Jacob told him. God asked him, who are you? Yeah, I'm Jacob the kind man. You know, some of y'all can relate to that. You ain't always been so holy. Some of you have been slick. I've been slick. Some of us done stuff. Some of us put stuff in our body. But God is saying, he went on to ask him. He said, yeah, well, 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 you told me who you are, but, but, but I'm going to tell you something, Jacob. Thy name shall not be called Jacob no more. But I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new name. You should be called Israel. You see, 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 because you have prevailed. You know God's giving you a new name? You ain't the person that you used to be. You ought to thank God for that. You may not be where you want to be, but God has changed your name. I'm so glad that God changed my name. You see, I wouldn't trade my worst day as a Christian as my best day out there in the world. I'm so glad. I don't care what you've done. God wants to. Jacob walked away with a limp. You know, I tell them when we got out of the bed in the morning, we. Jacob walked away with a limp. 
He was weaker, but yet he was stronger. I hear Paul saying, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Somebody know what I'm talking about this morning. You didn't know how you was going to make it. You didn't have the strength to lift your finger. But thanks be to God, he gave you the strength to journey on another day. You ought to give him praise today. But I know somebody else. I know somebody else who limped. Somebody had a big wood tree on their shoulder. And he went up the hill of Calvary. And he limped up the hill. He limped for you. He limped for me. He went up on that cross on Friday. And they pierced him in his side. They put thorns on his head. They stretched him wide. He did it for you. And he did it for me. And on Friday, he died. He stayed there all day long on Friday. He stayed there all night long on Friday. He stayed there Saturday. But when he rose Sunday morning, was a different was a different situation. You see, Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. He got up. He wasn't limping no more when he got up. And since he don't limp no more, I ain't got to limp no more. He ain't limping no more. He got up with all power in his hands. His name. His name. His name. His name. His name is Jesus. The Rose of Sharon. The bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. His name, his name, his name, 